Well, as our Wiggly worshipers are dismissed, welcome to you. Any of you Wiggly this morning? If you are, you can stand up and stretch. And It's the beginning of vacation time, can you tell? And it's the time that pastors kind of endure, you know, you work your way through the summer, but everybody needs to get away, don't they? Including pastors. So John and his family are out uh, this week and... They were uh, out of town this weekend. Pray for their travels and pray for a relaxing time. If you're joining us online this morning and you're used to seeing John here, he'll be back here before too long. And uh, I'm Pastor Brian, and I'm glad that you're joining us this morning. And I think maybe we have a battery in our clicker here too, Sean. This is a technology morning, so bear with us. And uh, But welcome. To you. And Christian, he slipped out. Uh, this was not his morning in the rotation. We get into vacations and there are changes all the time and so forth. And so um, this was not, but he is always willing to step up and help. And I appreciate that. Beck, I appreciate that about your husband. And <clears throat> so um, we appreciate those who are willing to serve. I was just bragging on you, Christian, as you went around. I know you couldn't hear me, but thank you this morning. And thank you for that reminder. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what we need to do this morning, isn't it? We uh, have a lot of turmoil in our world and in our nation, and Patrick's coming in. Thank you, too, Patrick, for serving this morning. We appreciate it. A little construction update. Some of you found there was no power in your classroom this morning. <laughs> I apologize. We get a surprise or two. There's been about three weeks of electrical work going on around here and a little bit more to go on. So if you find the power out somewhere, uh, we'll try to accommodate. But uh, So that's just normal. We wanted to stay in our building. We could have gone somewhere else and have to take all of our equipment and everything and move every Sunday kids ministry and we decided we'd just tough it out and stay here so thank you for bearing with a little bit of dust and dirt and it'll be over here in a few months um, my heart is very heavy this morning as I know yours is uh, I think of uh, <coughs> families who met together for worship last Sunday and this week a child is missing. That is so heavy and so hard. We can't understand it because it makes no sense. And so this morning as I think about what happened in Texas, and you probably know the details, I'm not going to rehash everything and, and, um, <clears throat> because it's, we've heard a lot, haven't we? Confusing stories. But we want to pray for these families. I, I feel just a real connection with, with them and with their loss and with all that's gone on. But let me share this morning what I heard from a pastor on one of the news channels this week. I won't say which one, but you can guess. Because he was an older pastor, and they were interviewing him, and you know how the media are. They fire all these questions that everybody's asking that they think can't be answered. And some of them can't be answered. You know, we just have to say, only God knows, but he knows. 
But they were asking this pastor at First Baptist in Brackettsville, Texas. Karen, you may know where that is. I don't know, but way down south near Uvalde. First Baptist Church. And they were firing these hard questions at him right off the cuff. You know, I don't know if he knew what the questions were going to be or not, but here they, here they were. Pastor, why did this happen? Well, who can answer that? But he answered it. He said, sin entered the world. And the first two boys in the first family, one of them rose up and killed the other one. He went right to Scripture. He didn't give his opinion. He didn't vary. He, went, he just went right to Scripture. Cain, in anger, killed his brother Abel. That's what sin has done to our world. So he, he went right to the source. What are, you, what are we to think of those who commit such acts of evil? Now, boy, that's a loaded question. You try answering that on national television. Here's what he said. It's a problem of the human heart. Sinful men commit sinful acts. The focus of the gospel of Christ is on changing human hearts. That's why Jesus died on the cross. I was standing by this time applauding him for somebody having the foresight to ask a man who can answer these questions biblically and then him going right to Scripture. Those are the issues. Here's, here's another one. Why? This is the question everybody always asks. Why would God allow this? You know, that's human nature. When something good happens, who takes the credit? Man. But when something bad happens, what do we do? We blame God. That's totally backward. When something bad happens, man ought to say, that's on us. And when something good happens, that's God. But we, we do the opposite. But this, this man didn't let that happen. Why would God allow this? He said he was so gracious and so wise and so compassionate. He said, well, there's a man in the Bible named Job. Job lost all that he had in a day. Yet, he did not blame God. What a great answer. Did, did Job understand everything that happened in his life? Absolutely not. Job didn't understand any of it. We understand it more than he did because we have the narrative and we have the advantage of knowing that he was under a spiritual uh, challenge there and it was a spiritual battle unbeknown to him. And that's what this is. This is nothing more than spiritual battle. And he went right to the source and said it's, it's a problem of the human heart and when trouble comes, there's only one that can change the human heart and only one who can comfort the human heart. He said God is the comforter of those who experience loss. He knows what loss is like because he gave his only son to die on the cross. Wow, you wish the whole country could hear that? Maybe a few people will. Welcome this morning if you're online. It might be weeks or months or years from now. This is the truth. 
Only God can comfort human hearts. So I was praising God for one pastor who had the opportunity to speak and to speak truth. And he, he did it well. He went right to Scripture. He went right to the source. And so <clears throat> then the politicians start coming in, clouding everything, bringing their agenda, taking advantage of this opportunity. And I won't go there because I know you're there too, some of you. By the way, every time somebody has a qu- an answer, a question, we don't have all the answers, but we do have some. Go right to the source, okay? Don't talk politics. Don't argue with people. You don't have to defend God. God can defend himself. Just give people the word and be gracious and be loving and be humble about it like this pastor was, and it will have its impact. And it's having its impact in this tragedy because I saw churches having prayer meetings that would have never taken place otherwise. I saw buildings being filled with services, candlelight vigils, prayer meetings. I saw in the footage, did you see this? People praying with people right there on the spot, just getting in a huddle and praying. And so God is going to be glorified through this. I don't know how. I don't know all the details, and neither does anybody else. But truth is going to go forth, and it, and it always does if we take time to share it. Now, I want to address something this morning first, and then I'm going to this slide, so hang with me. First thing I want to say is this. You know this, but other people don't know this. And maybe, maybe you need to be reminded. God is not the author of evil. God created a perfect world. And if you go to Genesis and you read the creation account, after every creation event, what did God say? It was what? It was good. It was good. It was good. It was good over and over and over. The writer of the Genesis account says what God did was good. It was perfect. It was without sin. So the world that God created was a perfect world. Man was perfect, untested when it came to righteousness, but he was perfect in creation. And then what happened? Genesis 3 Sin entered the world. That's where evil came from. Now here's something else we seldom do. Nobody ever mentions Satan. Have you heard one word about the devil? It's because most people don't believe there is one. And I don't know if the media does or not. You don't hear any. You hear all the... Why did God... What about Satan? He's the one who did this. He's the one who entered or led this young man to, cre- to, to do this horrific act. It was none other than Satan himself. And it was Satan who fell from heaven because of disobedience against God, came into God's creation and tempted man, and 
So it was Satan and man that brought evil into this world, not God, just for the record. And you know that. But we need to be reminded, don't we? And we need to share that with other people. People people are biblically illiterate. They don't know this. And when you get an opportunity, please don't ruin it by arguing and and going off on a tangent. Go right to Scripture, and if people want to know with a compassionate heart, share with people, here's what the Bible says. And it'll make an impact. Amen? Now, this is what happens in a society where God is removed and there's no respect for life. That's what we're seeing played out. Cultural change. Awful cultural change. Heart-wrenching. God has been taken out. Man is on the throne. And as a result, we see, we see all these failures in our culture because of sin. It's Satan at work. Not God. But God is there, isn't he? He's there in the midst. And we want to glorify him. So, this morning, I'd like to pray for these families. Would, would somebody like to just stand this morning and, and pray that God would comfort these families and uh, these, this, this town? This, would somebody just like to volunteer to do that this morning? Ray, would you like to do that? Thank you, brother. Please do that. Amen. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. The other thing I want to remind us of today is the Memorial Day Remembrance Weekend. You know, we we see this as uh, you hear it the first day of summer, uh, the first day of vacations, a day off, but it's sure a lot more than that, isn't it? 
Don't confuse Veterans Day with Memorial Day. We appreciate our veterans and all those who served and those who came home alive. But that's, that's in the fall. That's Veterans Day. This is Memorial Day. This is the time that we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And all those who've served probably have memories of those that they know who, who gave that sacrifice. And so this is the weekend that, that we should pause and give thanks. And let me say as a pastor, the only reason I can stand here this morning is because people died for freedom. Did you realize that? That's, that's the only reason we can freely stand here in America and preach the gospel. Open the word of God and preach. Uh, someone has said it's, uh, it's not the preacher who brought freedom. It's the veteran, but ultimately it's God, isn't it? He's the author of liberty. And he's the one who uh, put us in a country so unique from any other where we have had freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom to worship God as we see fit and as he leads us. And that is because people gave their life so that I could stand here this morning. So I feel as a pastor that it's my responsibility to remind us of that. And to remind us, you know, there was uh, there have been a lot of conflicts through the years, starting back with the Civil War, when more, up until Vietnam, more people had died in the Civil War than all the other wars combined. Just incredible loss of life. How many of you have ever been to Gettysburg? I went there years ago, and it was so overwhelming to realize the American bloodshed on that spot. Three days, like 50,000 killed and wounded Americans. And so shortly after that, there was a proclamation for a decoration day. You might have heard it called that when people would go to the graves of soldiers and leave flowers. And it was then called Memorial Day. And, but it's a day that we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. I want to read something for you you might not have heard in a long time. This is from World War One, post-World War One. This is by Dr. John McRae. <clears throat> in Flanders' fields the poppies blow, between the crosses row on row, that mark our place and in the sky, the larks still bravely singing fly, scarce heard among the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' field. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If you break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' field. The blood of those who died cries forth freedom. Let's don't take it for granted. And freedom's always challenged, isn't it? Being challenged in our nation now maybe more than, than ever before. 
And you see what I have on the screen this morning. Sounds kind of like a trite phrase sometimes, but if you think about it, it's very true. Freedom is not free. I say that to this generation and the generations to come. Freedom is not free. Do not take it for granted. It's ours because someone took our place and someone uh, made it possible for us to enjoy the American life that we enjoy. Amen? And so we ought to remember. So tomorrow, I hope you cook a big old steak or a good hamburger. But I hope you pause to remember the reason for the day and the reason for the weekend. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning that we can stand and proclaim the truth as no other nation has ever been able to do. And we, we know that there are other free nations, but Father, we do not believe that there's ever been one quite like America. And as we think of the conflicts that have brought freedom to our land and to the world, um, beginning with the Re- American Revolution, and then that terrible loss of life in the Civil War, and then World War One and World War Two and the Korean conflict and Vietnam, and then the various uh, the Gulf War, the War on Terror, Afghanistan, all these conflicts when men and women have engaged the, the enemy, evil, evil uh, is encroaching our world, and someone must stand up and say that's that's far enough. We're going to stand, and through the years, our nation has done that, we trust for the right cause. And that's your cause, the cause of freedom and the right of every person to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we pause to thank you for all those who have died so that we could be here freely this morning. Father, we know that you're the author of freedom, but you use men. You use men in the affairs of men just like you use preachers, and people in the hearts of men to reach out with truth and to say, here's the gospel. Will you believe it? So thank you for the privilege of preaching it freely this morning. We pray that that may always last here. But Father, we know that we have an enemy who is encroaching, who is destroying, who is trying to stop the truth in every way that he can. And we know who he is because you've told us who he is. He's a counterfeiter. He's a deceiver. He's the accuser of the brethren. And Father, he is your enemy and he is our enemy. And if men do not realize where evil came from and who is the source of evil, how can we fight unless we understand the truth. So thank you for the truth of your word and for sharing it with us this morning. We love you. We thank you for freedom. And we thank you for all those who made it possible for us to be here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm in Second Samuel this morning. If you would like to join me there, you can find your way. I just uh, wanted to remind you here on this slide, it is a day of remembrance for those who gave the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice for freedom. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about honor. And the Bible has a lot to say about giving honor to whom honor is due. And so this morning, I'm in uh, 2 Samuel um, chapter 23. 
John was in the historic books talking about Saul. We're going to switch over to David this morning, okay? I once did a series on the life of David and his, um, his battles and what he led his nation through. It took, it took almost a year on Sunday night to go through the life and the story of David. It's an amazing study. And if you want to just read through the historic books, and if you, if you go back to the Psalms and you can connect a Psalm with an incident, it makes the Psalms so much richer. But I want to read a few verses this morning. You can follow along. These, this is actually the NIV, I believe, that I have on the screen. These are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse. The utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, When one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of the morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after the rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. Now these are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josh Bashabeth, a Tachmanite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, or Dodo, the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered as Pastamon for battle, Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. That's interesting wording, isn't it? They came back uh, after they had retreated to, uh, to plunder the enemy. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Harahite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troop fled from them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. Well, these... This account is of some men of excellence in David's army. And he honored them in his last words. Isn't that interesting? All that David could have written about in his memoirs, this passage begins, these are the last words of David. And here's what he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about faithful men around him whom God used in his life and in his nation, who were faithful to serve, and 
David said, I'm going to give honor to whom honor is due. That's a biblical principle. Give honor to whom honor is due. And so as he writes his last words, probably no one had heard the mention of some of these men. Now, they were famous in the land. They were at least three uh, were well-known, and they were decorated, and uh, people knew who they were. But he goes on, and you can read this on your own. I won't read it for sake of time, to list 37 decorated men, 37 who served and were honored, but there were three that stood out above all the rest. And it reminds us of something, and David knew this. When man stands, he fails, but when God stands with man, there's victory. David knew that. How did he know it? Because he lost some battles. He lost some personal battles, didn't he, in his own life. And yet God could say he was a man after his own heart. Fascinating study of this man, David. And then a fascinating uh, conclusion here to his life. And here's, here's what he would have us to learn. I'll just summarize it. Not only do leaders need God, and they do. There's no victory apart from his hand. Leaders also need leaders. Dedicated men and women who will follow the command of their officer with obedience, passion, and complete devotion. And, of course, this talks about some of David's mighty men. They were the best of the best. You know, today we look at the Green Beret, and we look at the Rangers, and we look at the Seals. Did I forget any group there? Okay, I don't want to forget any. Uh those who excel, those who are the best of the best. And that's who these men were. They were the best of the best. And David takes time to record their names. Their names and the names of others who served. To highlight their names and their acts of bravery. These men stood above all others in their bravery. And we should do the same. We should honor those who uh, excel and those who excel in bravery, and we do. Thus, honor where honor is due. And the motivation for the rest to uh, stand in national defense. Well, who were the mighty men of David? Well, there were 37, but I'll talk about three. The first one was Adino. Uh, actually, his name was Joshab Bashabeth, the Tachmanite, or Jashabim. Now you know why they called him Adino. It'd be, it'd be hard in battle to yell out that name, wouldn't it? But when they saw Adino going forth with the flag and uh, before everybody else, everybody's eyes focused on Adino, and they said, let's follow this man because he's, he's brave and he's... Uh, he's a patriot, and he's one that we can follow. Well, he was a man of honor because he was the chief of the captains and famously known for killing 800 enemy soldiers in one encounter. What a man. What I want to know is who was counting. He, could, he didn't have time to count, but he was a legend. You know, here, here was a man who in one battle was personally responsible 
for defeating 800 enemy soldiers. No wonder, no wonder they honored him. And no wonder David mentioned him, and he mentioned him first, because he was a soldier, he was a warrior, but he was also a leader among men. When Adino went forward, they followed, because they knew his bravery. And so he was called a man of honor, Adino. Then there was Eleazar, the Ahohite. Eleazar, in verse 9 of this passage, was from the tribe of Benjamin. Pardon me, Benjamin. He fought beside David against the Philistines. And when the army was in retreat, he stood his ground fighting until his hand became welded to his sword. Imagine, here they are after the battle, and they're saying to Eleazar, Eleazar, the battle's over, put your sword down. He said, I've been trying for a long time, but I can't put it down. My, my hand is welded to the sword. You know what that reminds us of? You see it there. That's perseverance, isn't it? That's staying with it until the job is done. That's staying with it through thick and thin. That's staying with it when it's hard. That's staying with it when it's not so hard. That's commitment to what God has called you to do and staying with it until God says, okay, you can put down the sword. That was Eleazar, the Ahohite. And then there was Shama. Uh, Shama. The Herahite, a man of courage. Let me keep reading there. Um, three of the thirty men, verse 13, went down at... Um, let me back up. Verse 11. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herahite. Verse 11. The Philistines had gathered a, a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Do you know what lentils are? What are they? Beans, okay? Beans or peas, something like that. So here was his command. Shama, you defend that field of beans. Well, who wants to die for a field of beans? There was more to it than the field of beans. Shama, uh, verse 11, the Philistines had gathered together a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, so what happened to the rest of the army? They deserted. They weren't going to die for a field of beans. They ran. They deserted. But what did they do after the battle was over? They came back to plunder. They came back to go over the soldiers and to take what they could find. And Shama uh, alone apparently stood that Ground. So why did Shammah stand that ground? Because that was his command. That was what the king asked him to do. That's what his commanding officer asked him to do. Shammah, you take that hill and you don't give it up at any cost. And Shammah took that even to death. If it meant his death, he was going to defend that hill. That's courage. That's a man of courage. Honor, perseverance, and courage. Now what happened next is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. After the battle was over, 
David's in Adullam, the safe place in his cave. They're sitting around chewing the fat after the battle. Everybody's kind of relaxed. Now, the enemy's still nearby. They're just, they're very nearby. Scripture says basically they were in one valley and the enemy was still camped in the other. But in verse number 14, let me back up to 13. The three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim, which was nearby. David was then in, in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing. Now here's David, feet propped up, relaxed. You know what I wish I had? You know how soldiers talk when they have the time. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the spring where I grew up. The well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. I'd give anything to have a cold drink of water from that spring where at my home place where I grew up. Now, let me just share with you personally. Where I grew up, there's, there's a big spring that comes right out of the side of the mountain, the eastern continental divide. That, that water comes right out of a rock. You cross over the Blue Ridge Parkway, and that water goes the other way. So the, it's the purest water you can find. And I can relate to David saying, boy, I wish I had a, a drink from that spring on a hot day. There's nothing like it. If you ever had a cold drink of spring water, you know what David is talking about here. But David's just, you know, he just talking. I don't think he thought anybody would take him seriously, but look what happened. 16. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from that well at Bethlehem by the gate that he mentioned, and took it and brought it to David. Now think about this. Think about the honor among these men for their leader. Here's the king. He, in passing, he says, you know, it's a hot day. I'd give anything to have a drink of spring water from my dad's spring. These three men risk their lives to get David a drink of water. Look at the love they had for him. Look at the respect they had for him. Whatever he commanded, whatever his wish was, was their command. So what do they do? They risk their lives to break through enemy lines, to go to this very spring that David mentioned, and they come back to David with a glass of water from that spring. They bring it to David... And what does he do? He couldn't drink it. He was so overwhelmed that they would risk their lives for a glass of water for the king that he could not drink it. You know why he couldn't drink it? Because when David looked at that glass of water, here's what he saw.
Can you see that? When David looked at that glass of water, he saw the blood of men who had died for their nation. He saw the blood of men who had died for him as their leader, as their king. He saw the blood of men who had died for their fellow man. And so when David came to that glass of water, which he longed for, you know, suddenly he said, I can't, I can't drink it. What an honorable leader. You know, sometimes leaders are selfish. We see that going on all over the world, don't we? We see it going on here in our own country. But here's a man who realized why he had victories. First of all, it was God who brought the victory, but it was the faithfulness of men around him who were willing to die for their nation, for their king, and for their fellow man. And so David said, we're going to give honor to whom honor is due. I'm sure we don't have all the details. I'm sure there were all kinds of ceremonies. I'm sure there were times when names were mentioned. Everybody knew these three names, Adino, Eleazar, and Shama. And in his memoirs, I don't think anyone knew about a lot of these other names until David took time to write them down. And you can read about them in the rest of this chapter. Let me tell you something. There were a lot of faithful men whose names were never mentioned. A lot more of them than 37. Isn't that the way it is? In battle, in service. Those of you who have served here, we honor you. Those who have, who have received medals of honor, and there are some among us, we honor you. But we also remember all those who were forgotten. All those soldiers who died for freedom were never mentioned. David took time to write down 37, but he probably could have written the names of thousands of more. And that's the way it is in service to our country. You know, a few have the opportunity or take the opportunity. They stand out because they uh, take the opportunity to be brave and to be courageous, and they should be honored. God says that, and we believe that as a nation, don't we? But let's not forget all those countless others. Some of them were never recovered. Some of them, years later, you know how you hear of uh, uh, remains being identified even decades later? And the family thinks that their loved one is forgotten. They never knew what happened. Well, God never forgets. He knows. And he remembers. And so do leaders who are also men and women of honor. We, we stop, and as believers, we see God's hand in all this. We see this account, all these accounts through the Old Testament of how God was leading the nation and how God gave the victory and how God had a purpose. And it's still true in our world. God's still in control of this world. Putin is not in control of this world. 
or anyone else. I'll just stop there. It's God who is in control. So, without taking away from those who have served and especially those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, let me apply this in a different way. Would you allow me to do that today? Not taking away from Memorial Day. The same is true in God's work today. You know what it takes to make God's work go forward today? It takes faithful men and women. The leaders can't do it all. David didn't go to the battlefield. He, w- he was willing, and maybe he was there at times. It was, it was David who said, this is what God wants us to do, and this is how he wants us to do it. Because God had, he, he, in, in his first words there, he said, I'm speaking the words that God put in my mouth. These are the words that God put in my mouth. These are, this is the command that God has given us. And as God gives me this command, I share this command with you who serve and you who put your shoulder to the plow, as they used to say. Are we in a spiritual battle like we've never been? I'm convinced. Do we, are we aware? Well, I think we are. I think we're aware of the battle that the world is in. I think we're aware of the battle that our country is in. Well, what has God called us to do? Here's what He's called us to do. He's called us to be faithful. He's called us to take up arms, the Word of God. He's called us to go to people who've never heard. He's called us to go to people who once heard but have forgotten or they're in a place where truth has been so twisted that they don't know the truth. So we have to go back to the truth and we have to start in Genesis like this dear pastor did on TV the other day with this crisis. We have to go back and we have to say, you know, there was a time when the world wasn't this way. Do you believe that? Why? Because that's what God says. What he created was perfect. What he created was good. There was no evil. There was no sin. God did not create this. Man, listening to Satan, and all of his belief that he's doing the right thing in changing our culture, is bringing about spiritual conflict and we're right in the middle of it. Now you've got two choices. You can put your head in the sand. As I hear some people say, and I, I respect everybody's opinion about this, but I hear some people say, I don't want to hear anything negative. I just insulate myself and isolate myself from anything negative. You know, it's the easiest way out. I don't, I don't want to get into any conflict. I don't want to be upset. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to have to deal with what I hear. You, you can choose to do that, but that's not what God wants you to do. Now, you can go the other extreme too, can't you? You can have a, a media IV. And you can plug yourself into everything that's happening and be utterly driven out of your mind. 
so angry, so upset because you don't like the way things are going that you are rendered useless because you're looking at the wrong thing. You're not looking at the spiritual conflict in human hearts. You're looking at all kinds of other things that you think are the answer, like politicians. Now, they're good politicians. Thank God there are some who stand for truth. But they're not the answer. They're not the answer. It's God's will Himself. It is God who is the answer and what God is leading us to do as a nation. And we have a little part in that. We can vote and we can share and we can try to impact others. But let me tell you this. You can get all caught up in that and miss the whole mission. What's the mission? It's to share the gospel with as many people as we can. Let me tell you something. If someone had shared the gospel with that young man who committed this act this week, this would be a whole different world, wouldn't it? Did someone try? Maybe they did. Only God knows. Maybe they did, but maybe they didn't. Maybe no one took time when that young man was a child to have a vacation Bible school to go and invite this young man to come where he could hear the gospel so that his heart could be changed? Is that not the issue? That's the whole issue. If that young man's heart had been changed with the gospel when he was a child and he had been brought up to respect life and to fear God. Folks, that's the answer. Now, we can't go back and say, we don't blame, and we don't blame the law enforcement. I know someone said all this is going on, but don't, don't blame. Just say to God, God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? i tell you what he'd have us to do. He'd have us to be faithful. Not to put our heads in the sand. Not to get off on the wrong tangent. But to say to God, God, what would you have us to do as a church? And you know what that means? That means what would you have me to do individually as a part of this church? You know, we serve together, don't we? Or we should. There, there no, no, no one stands out above anyone else. You know, you, sometimes you say, well, the pastors are the ones that are up front. and they're, What we do is critical, but what you do is just as critical. Because we can't do it without you. But you're out there every day rubbing shoulders with people. And you're out there every day with, with an opportunity to influence people. Young people who are open and whose hearts are still open. Older people who are searching. People who are asking questions. Take time to answer their questions and answer them from Scripture. And if you don't know how, ask us and we'll help you talk with them, but get engaged with people around you. Because here's our mission. It's to reach this town for Christ. One at a time. One here, one there. We've been locked in our houses. We've been locked away from people. It's time to get engaged in the life of our town and our New River Valley and to start sharing truth with people. That's our mission. And it's just as critical as these three men 
who were deemed as heroes, and they were. And their names were in lights. But there are a lot of others whose names were never mentioned. So let me encourage you. You may never see your name in lights, but one day you can stand before the Lord and hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servants. Amen? What does that require? Faithfulness. Just doing what God gives you to do every day. Sometimes it's here with ministries like we're looking at this summer, but every day it's out there wherever God has put you. You know, when there's a need, step up and fill it. When there's a need, don't wait to see who else is going to fill it. Step up and say, what can I do? Here's what I want to do. Here's, here's something that we believe God wants us to do. I want to know how I can get involved and how I can help. You do that on a daily basis. From now till when you see Jesus. However long that is. And we'll hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that your word is so relevant. It's, it's an old book, but it is not irrelevant. It's so true for today, for every situation. The Word of God is, has answers and it has power. And if we take a different avenue to try to change our culture, we're, we're taking second best. Because no one can pr- improve on truth and what you have said, because you know the human heart. And we understand the human heart because you have shown us what has happened in the human heart. And we know without the gospel there is no hope for the human heart, and there's no hope for culture, and there's no hope for this world, but with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that Jesus, who was God, came to earth, went to the cross, perfect as a sacrifice, died in the place of all men, gave his blood to wash away our sin, to redeem us, and then gave us his own righteousness. That brings change. And Father, we're, we're all human. We get in all these different tangents and we get our eyes on different things, but would you help us to refocus as we are this morning on the meaning of this weekend. Would you help us to refocus as a church on our mission? It's the gospel. Yes, we want to send the gospel around the world, but what about right here in our own neighborhood? What do we do? We should never ask others, Lord, to do what we're not willing to do. So we want to be faithful. We want to show you that we love you as much as these men love their king David and even more because he was just a man. You are God. You're the only God. You're the righteous God. You're the only hope for this world. And we have it. And we can share it. And we should be sharing it today, tomorrow, the next day until Jesus comes. Thank you for the privilege. Now don't let us put our heads in the sand. 
Don't let us get so caught up in life that we forget eternity. And Father, help us to be aware of the real reason that people around us are different. Yes, evil. It's because their hearts have not been changed. And so we ask you to help us to look at people as you look at them. As we go this week, in Jesus' name, amen.